are Locked On Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Sun Devil fans, it is a Monday edition of the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. I'm your co-host, one of your co-hosts, I should say, Connor Drios, joined always by my good friend, Richie Bradshaw. You can find us on Twitter. You can find me at C Drios. You can find Richie Brads, or at Richie Brads with the Z36. Today, we're going to be discussing a new series for you guys. We're going to be talking about how we can essentially look at the position groups for ASU on offense and defense. So first, we're going to be talking about what went well for them, what did not go well. Today, we'll be starting off with the wide receivers and tight ends, essentially the pass catchers for the Sun Devils. Then later on in the podcast, we'll be talking about what we can do to improve that going into the 2022-23 season. Then we'll be talking about the chances of the Sun Devils making the NCAA tournament. Since we don't have votes, we got to find a way for them to get in somehow. We'll talk about their odds of doing that uh, today. This episode is brought to you by Sonos. Uh, experience the game like never before with Sonos' Arc, the premium smart soundbar for TV, movies, music, gaming, and more. Visit Sonos.com to learn more. Richie, my man, it is a Monday, start of a new week. We get to talk about some ASU basketball a little bit later on. We do have to wait until Thursday to talk about that game. However, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. And Connor, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna correct you already. We are no longer co-hosts. We are co-guides. We, we are, are co-guides for until further notice. But I I am doing good. I, I am I am bummed out. Uh, both of my football team seasons are officially over. It's going to be a long off season, but we got plenty to talk about with the Sun Devils. Hey, if you want to watch the Cardinals lose next week, be my guest. Um, home team, rooting for the home team. Rise up, well, Red Sea. So with that, let's start off. Um, first of all, we are free and available on all platforms. So thank you so much for making us your first listen. Uh, we, we definitely appreciate you guys waking up, wanting to listen to everything specifically for the Sun Devils. That's going to be f- football or basketball. Uh, definitely bringing you the best content on this side of the Mississippi and any side of the Mississippi. But let's start off with some of the wide receivers and tight ends for this year, Richie. We talked a ton about them, and it's not not all all negative, right? There were some good things from these pass catchers. It's just overall, like we don't we don't have this star, and we've been a little spoiled the last couple of years, right? Where we've had a, a Nikhil Harry, a uh, Brendan Ayuk, a Jalen Strong, even a Frank Darby, uh, all things considered. You just you never really had one of those guys, and it was a passing offense that wasn't throwing a ton of attempts. So in terms of like some of the good things that went well for this team, was there anything positive that stood out for you? I mean, the first big positive that comes to mind is you did find one consistent option with Ricky Pearsall, and while he's not anything flashy, he has shown – the capability to be a little bit of everything. He did show off some deep speed that we saw against UCLA. We saw the ability for him to make th- make make things happen after the catch. He had a very solid 12.1 yards per catch. He racked up almost 600 yards and a very uh, passing yards deficient op- uh, offense, excuse me. But I, I thought Pearsall was rock solid. I thought that, that the foundation is there for him to be one of the more consistent and reliable options in this passing game. And obviously we're going to be looking this year to find more guys to couple with him. But that that definitely is the biggest bright side that you had here was you found at least one reliable option in this pass game. Right. I, I think he definitely got very comfortable in the system. Um, 
we, we use the term kind of go-to a lot. We never really had a, a go-to guy, but if we're having to define someone with that, it's got to be him, right? Overall, his numbers don't look incredibly impressive, but as far as pass, pass catchers go between the wide receivers and tight ends, definitely the, the most number one type wide receiver we have out there uh, for better or for worse. So, but Richie, one thing we want to highlight, like, especially when we talk about the quarterbacks and these pass catchers, there's going to be a lot of negatives, right? A lot of negatives to take away just because it wasn't the strength of this team. It's kind of a chicken or the egg situation where who, who really hurt who more, right? Uh, As far as the wide receivers go, looking at the, at their numbers as a whole and and in tight ends included, their numbers don't jump off the page. But one thing I think we can look at is specifically efficiency. So between looking at uh, Jaden Daniels and Trenton Borgay, Borgay played at the end of the Washington state game, I believe Um, attempted a couple passes, so, and Ricky Pierce also had two passing attempts, but we're going to go ahead and ignore those regardless of how efficient those two passing attempts were, uh, just to really take a look at the quarterback. Pass scores. rating of 512.8. That's pretty good as far as pass ratings go. And it's infinite in college, which is darn near close to infinite. So, um, but, but again, looking more so at Jaden Nanos and Trenton Morgay, uh, there was a total of uh, 2,471 passing yards. Specifically from Jaden Daniels, there was nine. 1,967 going to the wide receivers and the tight ends to break that down a little bit more going to the pass catchers, not including Rashad white, because there were so many dump off passes. Yes. He was a big part of the overall passing game. We don't want to take that away from them as a whole, but the reason I also want to disclude that Rashad white's not here anymore. So you, you got to really look at some of the other pass catchers specifically lining up a little bit more on the outside or the slot. Uh, there were 204 targets specifically that went uh, to those pass catchers. Uh, essentially and 153 of those were completed. Richie, I, I know we had talked about this a little bit before the podcast. Do you remember the number that we talked about for uh, yards per, uh, per attempt to the pass catchers? I do. And it was really impressive, but I'll let you say it for the, for our, for our faithful. So it's, it's 9.5. Like, like realistically go look at, at a, a lot of college statistics, NFL statistics. I mean, numbers differ a little bit by the league, but uh, 9.5 an attempt uh, to any position group is really solid. So honestly, like you probably start to hit league average in college is probably a little bit higher college. I would imagine is a little bit closer to eight versus like maybe seven or so in the NFL. Uh, but either way, like you wouldn't, if you would have asked me before we did the math, what was, uh, essentially that yards per attempt or how efficient were the pass catchers were, I would have said they were honestly pretty crappy in all honesty. They just very rarely did. They seem to jump off the page again, chicken or the egg, right? Um, but 9.5 per attempt, uh, there were 11 passing touchdowns that did not include Ricky Pierce. All 10 of those went specifically to the pass catchers, not including Rashad white. So as far as some of the good, the receivers were definitely very efficient with what they were given, right? If there were more pass attempts and that's a big, if that's not what the offense is designed to do. So if we said something almost as dumb as like, if you just doubled the pass attempts and targets, this offense would look so much better through the air. And maybe, maybe not. That's not how Zach Hill liked to call his games, but for what the receivers were given, they did a pretty decent job. Yeah, I, I honestly, like we had talked about at the beginning, or not even the beginning, like off mic, I was thoroughly surprised by that. And I mean, looking at the numbers, it, it shouldn't be terribly, terribly surprising. Jaden had 7.9 on the year for the yards per attempt that we're talking about, which is pretty darn good. Borgay for the 10 passes he attempted, he was at 9.1, but... I mean, neither of those are 9.5. So to think that it shoots up to 9.5 is pretty crazy. 
And who knows, Connor, maybe, maybe me and you are really bad at math, but I have, I have a feeling that this is pretty legit because you do have to take into account the little bit of action that chip train and Daniel Nagata got in the passing game. And Nagata was at 7.3 yards per reception and chip was at 4.8. So it does weigh down Rashad white's 10.6, but I mean, look at the rest of the receivers, Pierce Hall, 12.1 is yards per reception. LV, LV Bunkley Shelton, 12.7. Curtis Hodges, 18.7. Andre Johnston, 15.5. Those are your big returning guys out, outside of Hodges, obviously. But, I mean, that's pretty good yards per reception. These guys were clearly threats when the ball was in their hands, wherever they were on the field. And they, they also were good options down the field because I know a guy like Curtis Hodges didn't necessarily have a lot of yards after after the catch, but there were some guys who did know how to create when the ball was in their hands, but to see how high that yards per reception or uh, yards per attempt is, excuse me, the yards per attempt is for the, for the receivers alone, excluding the running backs. It, it is really crazy to me. Like that is really good efficiency, but with that in mind, those numbers can also be a little inflated, Connor, because yep. Curtis Hodges did average 18.7 a catch, but he did that on 20 catches. And Andre Johnson had 15.5. So, I mean, you take those two away, it's going to go back down a little bit. So it just, it kind of fluctuates. Like it's lower if you include the running backs and it's lower if you take away the tight ends. But overall, the 9.5, I would say, it is pretty indicative of the fact that these receivers know what to do when the ball's in their hands and that the, the deep ball is still there, Connor. It's just a matter of being consistent with it and being able to use it on, on a more reliable basis than the once a game. Like me and you talked about going into the season, like Jaden's going to take like two or three deep shots a game and it's going to work at least once to help open up this offense. This number shows me that we're still capable of that deep shot. It's just a matter of a hitting it and B having the receivers who can go up and grab that ball. Let's, let's talk about some of the negatives a little bit. So speaking about uh, like ha- having that, that maybe like go-to guy or be, have a guy being able to take like a deep shot, like there was no dominant wide receiver, right? As much as we talk as, uh, as much of a go-to guy specifically that Ricky Pierce all was, no one's an X. There's not one cut type of, of player like that on this roster. And to be fair, it's not easy to find those guys. Like seriously, they, they don't, to overuse the term, they don't grow on trees. They, they just don't. So because they don't have that guy in this roster, it's, is it their fault because they're not that type of player or is it ASU's fault for not getting that type of guy in the building? Uh, probably a little of both. Right. Uh, but it, it's not necessarily easy to find that type of guy for Jaden Daniels. Um, there also wasn't a lot of depth after Ricky Pearsall. Like really there, there wasn't, he was our, our receivings leader, not including Rashad white uh, at 580 yards, because then Rashad white comes after that at 456. but basically had LV Bunkley Shelton. And then uh, Curtis Hodges, is the only other players to clear 373 total receiving yards uh, in the receiving core. So after those two guys, and to be honest, there were plenty of games where Bunkley Shelton and Curtis Hodges really didn't feel existent at all. Um, and if you're looking at like a guy like Curtis Hodges, we played how many games this year? 13. 13, 14, 13 games. Yes. 13. And, and Curtis Hodges got 20 passes regardless of how efficient he is. If he's catching 20 passes, that's not even two per game. That's not even enough opportunity for Curtis Hodges to flash. So if that's your top three in terms of your pass catchers, that's not very good. 
Same thing with Bunkley Shelton only had 33. It's a little over two catches per game. It's not great, man. So they need to find some more depth. It's not so much they need to have like several other receivers shoot up, but it'd be nice to have uh, maybe two other guys that are, are kind of in that Ricky Pearsall range. Part of that, again, has to do with total passing volume. So it's not just on the receivers. Well, and I'll, I'll play devil's advocate here is you will get 43 more opportunities just from Rashad White being gone and you'll have uh, 51 total with or uh, we'll, we'll include Nagata. So you'll you'll have 47 more opportunities to spread those out amongst your receivers and you are taking Hodges away. I do expect LV Bunkley Shelton to have a better season upcoming, but that's something we'll talk about in the next segment, too. Definitely. Uh, one last thing I just want to touch on. We'll talk about this with the quarterbacks as well, but did the wide receivers do enough? Did the tight ends do enough for Jaden Daniels? I, I think there was a lot of frustration maybe on both sides this year, trying to figure out who it essentially deserves more blame. I, I think it can be shared. I, I think a lot of it does fall on the quarterback shoulders just because they're touching the ball the majority of the time, right? They're the captain of that offense, supposed to be the one leading it for a guy like Jaden Daniels, who, who was supposed to be so dynamic both through the air and on the ground. And we just didn't see enough of that through the air. So I, I would like to give our wide receivers a little bit more slack, I guess. But we'll, we'll talk about that more as we discuss the quarterbacks later on this week. So now let's talk about how we can essentially improve that going into the next season. But first, Richie, we got a, a live ad to read. Yeah, so you guys, it's New Year's. So that means New Year's resolutions. And if you're about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easy to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good that you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill, let's be honest. You want to eat healthy, but it gets so boring. And by week three, you might be thinking this just isn't worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, here's the best part about Built Bar. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. And most of them are just 130 calories four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. So even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way you'll enjoy a delicious built bar. You can almost count it as a workout. The best part, Connor, there's so many different flavors too, from coconut almond to peanut butter, brownie, salted caramel, cookies and cream, and plenty of others. There's tons of flavors to fit your fancy. And Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So be sure to check out built.com as often as you can to see what's new. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Thank you so much for making Locked on Sundays your first listen every day. Again, we are free and available on all platforms. Connor Drios at Cedrios, Richard Bradshaw at Richard Brads with a Z36 talking to you a little bit more about the wide receiver group. What can we do to improve this group? So Richie, we had talked about some of the positives, some of the negatives a little bit earlier on in this podcast. Um, like what was, if you had like one big thing that they need to be able to do this off season, uh, is there something that specifically sticks out to you? Is that more time working with the quarterbacks so getting more chemistry with Jaden Daniels uh, for at least any of the returning guys? Is that getting a new guy in the building? probably through the transfer portal is it finding a big name or not so much a big name, but an in-house option, like an Andre Johnson, like we talked about very early on in the season to being that like potential X wide receiver. Is there one big thing in your opinion? Well, I mean, it really starts and ends with hitting the deep ball, Connor, that, that has to be the number one priority for the Sun Devils because we saw in Jaden's two years that when they had the deep ball unlocked and they were able to stretch fields with 
their receivers and otherwise, that's when the offense was at its best. That's when everything was clicking. That's when everything was open and unlocked for the team is being able to hit that deep ball. And we're not saying you got to hit it five, six times a game. That's not the strength of this offense, but being able to keep defenses honest was something that the offense did not have this year. So it really is going to depend on, because I trust Jaden to get those deep balls. And I trust that he's going to be more accurate in 2022. I do. I think he's going to rebound just fine. But you need a receiver who can consistently stretch the field. And we thought we thought we had that guy in Andre Johnson. And he's a guy who needs to figure it out. So Con- Connor, he, he only caught a ball in five games this year. And he disappeared after me and you watched him against Washington State. He caught that touchdown pass from Trent Borgay and disappeared off the face of the earth. And not all of it was because of injuries. He might've been banged up, but he truly just became a complete non-factor in the offense. So it's not entirely on Andre Johnson to unlock the deep ball for Arizona state, but it is going to be really, really important that they can figure out who they can rely on to be that deep ball option. And, and I mean, they lost some guys too. So they're, they're really going to have to figure out how to, how to pull this out of them and unlock that deep ball because that that's got to be the number one priority for this offense. Yeah, definitely some good points there. What what's hard coming from another avenue? Like let's let's say they needed to be able to bring somebody in through the transfer portal. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in one or two bodies potentially. Um, but you got to get a wide receiver who's going to want to come in, and you're going to have to sit them down and say, "Hey, like you're a very talented player. Potentially, we need you on this team. You're going to get like." 35 catches this year, right? Like you've got to bring a wide receiver in, convince them that they're going to have to play for the run because that's how this team is built and that they're not going to be the focal point. Like it's, it's really tough to, I feel like to convince somebody to want to come to ASU right now with all the, the uh, uh, sanction violations that they've got going on. Um, but two specifically coming in for that reason, who's going to want to do that, right? Like there might be some wide receivers, but I, I can't imagine we get some sort of big name or, or seriously talented player. So I, I think you're right. It's going to have to be an in-house option. Just having the threat of that deep ball, like you were talking about, it changes what the defense is going to do to you pre-snap, right? It, it changes the way that it, that they're going to line up against our wide receivers, hopefully get a little bit more one-on-one coverage, or even take some attention away specifically for one guy, leaving somebody else maybe in the slot or another wide receiver open. Yeah, 100%. So that that's where you start. From there, and, and this is something I alluded to in the previous segment, is you're going to have uh, 47 football football catches. I don't I don't know the targets, but you're going to have 47 receptions to divvy up amongst amongst all your guys that you have right now. So those can be spread out pretty evenly. I would imagine that your big guys are going to be Pearsall and LV, and they're going to get the lion's share of those. Which I mean, that's going to bump Pearsall easily up over 50. If not, he'll flirt with 60 catches, and he's going to be right about 700 yards. Bunkley is going to be north of 40 catches, going to be north of 500 yards. So for an offense that particularly runs the football, that's a really, really good start to getting this passing game back on track. Now, from there, you need to figure out who's going to be catching your deep ball. So hopefully that's an Andre Johnson, right? That That's the goal is to get him going. So you, you give him a few more deep shots a game. And quite frankly, I just want to see him featured more than he was this year. But the most important step here is making sure that he, he has these opportunities to stretch the field and get him the football as much as you possibly can. So 
that that's the good news, Connor, is that's 47 opportunities to spread the ball out more, get more guys more involved, like a Pearsall, like a completion. It, it's it's going to be pivotal that you get these guys like more opportunities, because I think that's one of the things that maybe held back this year, Connor, was not enough opportunities for them to really come out and shine the way that we have seen in the past. Now, don't get me wrong. There is no Nikhil Harry. There is no Brandon Ayuk. There is no Jalen Strong. But Frank you Darby. have plenty of guys who can step up. I Here's the thing. <laughs> I will tell you, you do have a Frank Darby here. You do have a Frank Darby here. Like Darby was quality, you know, he, he wasn't, he wasn't any of the three that I just mentioned, but Darby is quality. And I think you have quality guys there, especially with Pearsall and Oakley Shelton. I think both of them can be rock solid for you. So let's, let's take an example that a lot of football fans might be able to relate to. Um, like you're, you're not going to get this because this is such a difference in talent, but like, let's take the Titans as an example, Titans in the NFL team that thrives off of play action, right? They run it on first and second down with Derrick Henry, not saying that our running backs have been anything close to Derrick Henry, but right. That that's kind of ASU's plan is to run it early and often. And then they be they're they essentially they set up play action because the other team thinks that they're going to, to run the ball again with what will now be Tevin White or Danny Nagata. But now they got Andre Johnson streaking down the sideline who might be a little bit more open. Um, they just, it becomes so important to be able to hit those deep shots and, and like you had just said, there wasn't exactly a ton of opportunity for that to happen. It's almost like playing the lottery, but the Sun Devils didn't do it very often. So the expectations to win the lottery kind of aren't really there, right? If you have less opportunities to, to win, you're not going to connect nearly as much. So, all right. And then, and then, I mean, you also, you also got to remember that this, this is a team that prides itself off of running RPOs and being able to bring teams in on, on the run game and then be able to, to open things up across the middle of the field and maybe even down the field on, on deep passes and whatnot. So it it's going to be a lot of like teams are going to respect the run game. I don't think that's going to be an issue. Even with losing Rashad and chip, I still think that you should be able to have some success in the ground game, especially with how big a step Jaden took this year as a runner from here. It's just going to be about being able to evenly spread out the football and make it so that teams have to respect your passing game. So that, that that's probably my third thing here is you need to make teams respect your passing game by, like you said, like being able to set up the play action and being able to suck in defenses and effectively run your RPOs. It's going, it's going to be about gaining the respect of the defense so that all levels of the field open up. Agreed. So a, a lot, a lot's got to change. Uh, but again, it, it's got to change on, on both who's passing the ball to them and how the receivers are, are doing with those passes. So uh, hopefully a, a decent amount will change going into the 2022 season. While I do expect Tevin White to be a, a solid pass catcher, I'm not sure anyone's going to replace Rashad White. So I would expect more volume through the air, but that's, that's yet to be seen. So with that, let's go ahead and move on to the last part of the podcast for you today. Uh, we'll be talking specifically about the Sun Devils, essentially what their chances are of making the NCAA tournament. But first, we got to talk to you about GetUpside. So essentially, GetUpside is an incredible app for everyone who buys gas, which is probably just about all of us, maybe short people who have an electric car and only use the electricity in it. But you got to know specifically, again, about GetUpside. Listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. You're going to use the promo code uh, college, 
sorry, you're gonna use the promo code SCORE and get a bonus of 25 cents per gallon. That's another bonus on top for just your first fill up and that's 50 cents cash back. Don't pay, don't pay full prices at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code SCORE to get 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two or $300 a month in cash back and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out at any time to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code SCORE to get 50% off or each gallon uh, cash back on your first tank. Again, that is the promo code SCORE. Rich, now we got to talk about a not-so-fun segment right now, the basketball team who has not played in what feels like an eternity. Yes, they played that game against Cal January like 3rd, so we're coming up on about a week from their last game played. Uh, they got a game coming up on Thursday, so definitely something to look forward to, but not a lot of action for these Sun Devils. But at the same time, the perspective on the team really has not changed, right? We've been talking about what they kind of had to do going against uh, the that three-headed monster where they had to play the, the California teams and U of A. None of that really came to fruition. They didn't end up playing Cal, but they didn't play uh, UCLA or USC. Uh, and then they end up playing U of A here shortly as well. Uh, or no, no, the U of A game got postponed, which I don't think they've put that back in the calendar just yet. Um, but either way, like ASU is sitting at one and two in the conference. Uh, they're essentially tied uh, for what would put them almost third to last. They're tied with Oregon State, Washington, uh, as well as Oregon in conference. Um, and then Utah is sitting at one and five. So Arizona State does have some chances and opportunities to be able to move up just because a lot of conference games haven't been played. But as far as making the tournament goes, as of right now, I, I don't think our expectations can be very high uh, or even realistic of them making the tournament. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, we here, here's the thing. It, it's like that quote from MJ in the, in the new Spider-Man movie is expect disappointment and you'll never be disappointed. So we need to set our expectations pretty low with the sun levels. And it, it hurts to say that Connor, even with a basketball team that we don't expect a lot out of, we still need to set those expectations pretty low because if we expect, if, if we put them too high, then we're just going to be disappointed. And I, I mean, honestly, making the bracket might be too high of expectations. I think right now, we should hope that they can find a way to break even, at least in conference play. So we were looking earlier. There's 17 games left on their schedule, all of them being conference games. And it's it's not going to be easy, Connor. You got to play U of A twice. You got to play USC twice, UCLA twice. I can't remember if Washington is good or not this year. You still got to play Oregon again. Uh, Oregon State, I believe, has been okay. No, they, they have not been. I, They're three and, three and ten. Yeah, they have not. Yeah, I take it back. But... But, but you do have winnable games on here, too. So you still get Utah twice, and they haven't been that great. You got Colorado twice. You get a rematch with Cal in Tempe. So you have winnable games on the schedule. It's just right now the way you're playing, it's really hard to have a lot of faith in them to get, to get wins consistently. But it's not impossible, Connor. So if, if we can actually put on like this – this optimistic side to us for once when it comes to the basketball team, because me and you admittedly are very pessimistic about them. And to a certain extent we deserve to be, but it just, there, there is that opportunity Connor for them to turn it around. We're, they're not completely like dead in the water. There's, 
there's a chance. Dumb and dumber. So you're saying there's a chance. There is a chance that they can turn this around and find a way to get to 500. I th- I think that's best case scenario right now is ending the season. Uh, if if there's like 32 games or something like that, you finish you finish uh, uh, 16 and 16, so, something like that. So that that seems to be your best case scenario. I think there's 30 games and you, you want to finish 15 and 15. Plus, plus your tournament. So you still have the Pac-12 tournament too. Yep, agreed. So essentially like barring something crazy, barring like COVID just ruling these teams out because they've had so much of an outbreak or the season getting canceled, you're probably sending USC, Arizona, UCLA to the tournament, right? Like those, those are pretty much like locked in uh, unless again, the teams fall apart. Now, if you look at the rest of the Pac-12, you probably can get a couple others in there, maybe two, depending on how the rest of the big five looks and what they're sending in terms of overall depth, right? Because you're you're taking essentially your, uh, each like conference leader gets to go to the tournament. So uh, like even in smaller conferences, like GCU, my alma mater, like you, you send a team out of the whack, which normally has been uh, New Mexico, uh, New Mexico State, University of New Mexico. Um, so there's going to be other teams for sure coming out of smaller conferences, but Colorado is looking pretty good so far. They're 11 and three, three and one in the conference. Washington state's not terribly far behind essentially sitting at fifth in the PAC 12, nine and six and two and two ultimately 17 games left. It's, it's a mix for some of these other teams, but you're still probably looking at like 14 to 18 games left for all these teams. So a, a lot can change. A lot can happen, but the unfortunate part is where we're sitting at in the season. You're, you're already looking at like, well, if they can just go on a run here and just go on a run there, that's that's not a good place to be in, right? You're only three games yes, under 500 100%. overall. You're only one game under 500 in the conference. Um, but out of like 17 games, I don't know if you can lose uh, afford to lose more than like three or four more games, to be honest. And those three or four games are probably pretty close games. You can't afford another 20 point, uh, 24 point loss to a cow. And it got to have like a couple upsets in there too. So uh, again, expectations for the making the tournament, this is not necessarily news. We're saying they're more than likely not going to make it. Does that mean they can't? No, no, they definitely can. It, it's just, again, they, they have to start putting on so many like winning streaks and having some close losses to go with it, which this team has had a lot of close victories, right? There was that stat from like the Oregon game where I think since like 2019, they lead college basketball in uh, five point wins or less or something like that. Uh, and, and I could be misquoting that, but. Uh, Richie, any other thoughts as far as like a uh, uh, hope and a prayer for this team making the NCAA tournament? I, that that's exactly what it is, Connor. It's a hope and a prayer that you can make the tournament. It, it, like, like I said, I feel like fair expectations and, and maybe this is too rich. Find a way to break even, just get to 15 wins, get 15, 15, and just, you, you know, like again, low expectations. What, what I say, Expect disappointment and you'll never be disappointed. I think 500 is good enough. <laughs> now, I don't know if it's good enough to retain Bobby Hurley, but that that's a whole other conversation for another time. Right now, your focus should be 500. I Baby steps, Connor. Baby steps. Get to 500. 15 wins. And then build from there. Uh, agreed. Uh, so that's going to do it for Monday's edition of the Locked On Sentinels podcast. Uh, again, you can find us uh, on Twitter. You can find me at Cedrios. You can find Richie at Richie Brads with a Z36. We also have our Twitter page for the Locked On Sentinels. That's at LO underscore Sun Devils. Give us all a follow. Uh, make sure to subscribe to our podcast, which comes out Monday through Friday. 
You can find us uh, essentially on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Odyssey app, or wherever else you get your podcast. But thank you so much for making us your first listen every single day. Make sure to come back for tomorrow's episode. We're going to be breaking down more uh, position players, talking kind of what we do with the wide receivers today. What went well for them? What went wrong? And then what can we improve going into the next season? Now make your second listen Locked on Bets. They're going to be your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. You keep it locked on right here with the Locked on Sun Devils podcast.